welcome to the Gary Nolan Show. Of course, this is not Gary Nolan. This is Chris Sarp sitting in for Gary today. Glad to be with you. Uh, I am a radio co-host in St. Louis on News Talk STL. Uh, I co-host a show with former Speaker Tim Jones from 3.30 uh, to 6 o'clock. And uh, I will be joining you today. And uh, we've got a pretty good show for you today on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, at 9.45, uh, we will have uh, my my uh, current co-host, Speaker Tim Jones. Got a lot to talk to him about, Missouri politics, national politics. Very interested in talking to him about the upcoming Attorney General appointment. Uh, there are a few prominent names that have been uh, bounced around, and so we'll talk to him to see who he thinks uh, will probably get that appointment. Uh, 10.20. We'll have Christian Watson with Color Me United. Color Me United is a conservative organization that uh, seeks to have a colorblind society, and they are currently in a involved in the suit uh, charge of uh, suing uh, Harvard and uh, University of North Carolina for discrimination against Asian students. Uh, their president, Kenny Zhu, is, uh, is, uh, is the head of that, and he is a plaintiff on that suit. Then 1120, we'll have Kira Davis. She is a uh, editor with RedState.com. She's also ran for school board out in California where she lives, and we want to get an update on her race. Uh, she was being trolled tremendously. And also, I want to talk to Kira about uh, why is it taking all of this time to count the votes in California? It's going to be a month at least after the election before we find out the uh, the results of those uh, uh, results of that election. And at eleven forty five. And in studio with me is my lovely wife, Becky Arps, who is a Missouri Republican State Committee member, and she is also the research director for Americans for Citizens Voting. Uh, Americans for Citizens Voting is a national outreach group that is looking to amend state constitutions to say that only United States citizens uh, can vote in our elections. Um, we will talk much, much more about that uh, American citizens voting. But uh, first off, Becky, how are you? I'm doing well, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, big, big, big show today. You know, the last time that uh, I guest hosted the Gary Nolan show, it was this summer when we had the uh, the great summer flood of 2022. I can remember that morning like it was almost yesterday because I was already kind of nervous about getting down here to the studio because I uh, was fortunate to guest host Brandon Rathard's show out of Columbia uh, that day. And as I was uh, trying to get downtown, all of the roads were like being blocked because of uh, excessive water. And later we learned that uh, this region, Missouri, received six months of rain in 24 hours, I think it was. It was just a ridiculous uh, amount of rainfall. But, you know, as I looked at the windows coming in, it's nice and dry. Looks like uh, we may have a little precipitation on Thanksgiving, but uh, a pretty much dry week, Becky. 
I'm very glad to not have to go home and worry about uh, getting water out of the basement again. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. And, you know, this is also a significant uh, day to many. Uh, for the Gen Z and millennial uh, crowd, this probably is not a uh, as much of a significant event. But uh, today is the 59th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy and uh you know we always on uh, significant events like that you always want to you know ask people where were you at uh during that time um for me personally I have no idea because I was uh, born in 1966 and the president was assassinated in 1963 so I was not uh, alive yet but uh this is a very significant uh significant day uh Becky and I had the opportunity about Five years ago, maybe, to visit Dallas and visit the Dealey Plaza site uh, where JFK was assassinated. And, boy, you just got this weird feeling over over your body, over yourself when you looked at that plaza and you realized, wow, 59 years or 55 years ago at that time, you know, president of the United States was assassinated here. And you try to put your put yourself into that situation back 50 plus years ago. Just the mayhem, the cars trying to get the president to the to Parkland uh, Hospital. 59 years. And, you know, I bet you, of course, on the evening news tonight, somebody will mention it. But I bet you this will probably go pretty much uh, not commemorated, for lack of a better word. Absolutely. And, and interestingly enough, I don't know if you remember. Mm-hmm. But we had the opportunity to, earlier this year to be at the park, oh, now yeah. known as the Old Parkland, but the Parkland Hospital Complex. Yeah, uh, the uh, developer uh, in Dallas has developed the Old Parkland Hospital Complex, which, to my understanding, used to be a nursing school as well. And they've developed it into a conference center and uh, a place for other businesses. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of weird to know that this is where... The uh, former president of the United States spent his last few hours on this earth uh, in this complex. Very, very, uh, very historic. Well, as I said, we've got a huge, huge show today. And, you know, there's something that I don't say too often, but it is this week. You know, ever since Donald Trump has become president, um, you don't say it's a slow news day or slow news week much anymore but you know this week has actually been kind of a, a slow uh slow news week not that uh not that much going on uh there was a couple of big stories that broke yesterday and uh we can get into that and talk about it today one of them was the blockbuster story uh from the new york times that says that uh justice samuel Alito. Uh, leaked the results of the Hobby Lobby uh, decision uh, a few years ago to an evangelical uh, leader. And, uh, of course, uh, Justice Alito has denied that accusation. But uh, this person, he is a well-known, I don't never heard of him, but he's a well-known evangelical leader uh, who befriended uh, Justice Alito and his wife. And they used to go to dinner and, and socialize. And he claims that during one of these social events uh, at dinner, uh, this is when Justice Alito told him that uh, what the decision was going to be uh, in the Hobby Lobby case. Like you have some thoughts on that. What do you think about that? Well, it, it, it would be interesting to see if it was a 
yes, he leaked it, or he said something like, oh, you're, you're going to be happy on how this happened. Well, according, you know, you have to take it all with a grain of salt. This is the New York Times. But from their story and their reporting is that um, Alito, uh, Samuel Alito, or his wife uh, emailed this evangelical leader and said, I have something important to tell you, but not over text or email. Um, let's meet in person. And allegedly, um, he was told that uh, about the Hobby Lobby decision that it would be uh, in favor of conservatives. Of course, uh, he was known. He, he knew that um, beforehand. You know, it also brings up a lot of questions because, of course, we had the uh, Dodd uh, decision that was leaked. Um, that's still under investigation. Uh, it's hard to believe that they can't track that down on who did that. Well, I'm wondering if this is actually a distraction because that's going to come come up. Well, it also makes you think, though, was uh, Samuel Justice Alito, was he the leaker in the Dobbs case? And that was some of the speculation when this all came out that it's not necessarily a liberal um, that has uh, leaked this decision that it could be a conservative uh, justice or a conservative member of uh, that works for the court that leaked this to gain some type of advantage. Um, who knows? But this will be very interesting to uh, to see how this how this plays out. I would hope it wasn't because I would hope that they the conservative justices would be smart enough to recognize the problems that would present presents a whole lot of problems because you know one of the one of the you know the liberals have already been uh suggesting that the court is illegitimate because of uh justice clarence thomas his wife was involved with the january 6th um investigation that uh that uh, some of the other things involved with the court that they say makes it illegitimate i'm just worried that this will give them ammunition uh, to further that cause. And one of the things that the, the article was pointing out is that there are not a lot of uh, ethical uh, standards um, with these uh, Supreme Court justices as there are with regular politicians. And the case that the left is trying to make is that because there aren't any uh, gifts uh, ethics, uh, a ban on gifts and things that would be banned for normal, regular politicians that uh, they are afraid that right-wing evangelical groups are uh, influencing Supreme Court justices uh, and legally. And uh, the left is angry because they, you know, they don't, they don't have the court in control right now, and they feel that pe- that activists are influencing uh, right-wing justices. Well, we'll see if, uh, you know, Justice Thomas's wife uh, did a lot of purchases over at Hobby Lobby <laughs> to redecorate the house. You know, which I find that very curious is they're worried about uh, justices being being uh, influenced by right wing activists. When you have left wing activists going to the justices homes and picketing in front of their homes, if, if that's not trying to intimidate a justice uh, how to vote a particular way, I don't know what is. But, you know, as usual with the left, uh, they see their way of doing things, they see our way of doing things, and they're always right and, and we're wrong, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, in the, in the, um, one of the also things is the runoff 
the Georgia Senate runoff. <laughs> Can we like that? The Georgia Senate runoff that is is coming up. Uh, Herschel Walker is uh, lost that vote very closely in the regular election, but it's really starting to get nasty because you have Warnoff is bringing up things about uh, Herschel Walker. Uh, paying for abortions. Um, his last campaign commercial that came out the other day was just brutal, basically saying that you can't, you can't trust this man. He uh, should not be uh, elected to the Senate. You know, this Senate runoff is very, very important because the Democrats have control uh, of the Senate because of the vice president being able to, to break the tie. But with this 51st senator, if uh, Raphael Warnock is able to hold on, that makes it uh, harder for for Republicans to block uh, some of the judicial nominees that President Biden will be presenting uh, to the Congress. Uh, right now, because the Congress, the Senate is 50-50, all of the House committee assignments are 50-50. They're cut in half. But since they get the uh, extra senator, if they win, that will give uh, Democrats one extra or two extra persons on the committee, and they won't be... Uh, split down the middle anymore, and Democrats will be able to uh, to get their judicial nominees passed uh, a little faster, which uh, is is a good thing. Is, is is a bad thing because one of the things that was uh, productive about Donald Trump was that he put more justices or more uh, judges in the judiciary than. The, the last three presidents behind him combined. He and, you know, there is a lot of criticism of Mitch McConnell, but uh, that is one thing that you can't criticize Mitch uh, too much about is that he shepherded uh, Donald, Trump, Donald Trump's uh, judge nominees uh, through the Senate. Well, and I don't think anyone appreciate, appreciates the fact that, that this has longer term ramifications. Um, judges are there for a while. A long while. Mm-hmm. Life. They, they they make decisions that impact us, sometimes even more so than the legislat- legislators do. So by by if Republicans don't play in that because they think, oh, well, it doesn't matter because we're not going to have the Senate, I think we do that at our disadvantage. I agree. I agree. Well, uh, we're coming up on a break, but I uh, would love to get your calls, 800 529 Five five seven two or five seven three eight seven four nine three nine zero. Would love to get your calls on where you were when uh, JFK uh, was assassinated, and would also uh, like to talk with you about anything else uh, you'd like to discuss. You're listening to the Gary Nolan Show. I am Chris Art, substitute hosting today. Uh, we'll be right back on the Zimmer Radio Network. And welcome back to the Gary Nolan Show. Chris Art is sitting in for Gary today. Day. And uh, we've got Sharon on the line. She wants to talk about where she was uh, when JFK was assassinated 59 years ago today. Hi, Sharon. Hello. Hi. Uh, I was a student in the 10th grade at Thomas Smiley High School in Houston, Texas, mm. the day that President Kennedy was assassinated. I was... Uh, President Kennedy was not a perfect man, but like many people, he had moments of greatness, and he believed this country could do anything. So I was a great fan. He was my president. He made me feel like I could reach out my hand 
and do anything I wanted to do. All I had to do was have the will to do it. I was devastated that day. I almost got sent to the office Mm. because a student behind me said, well, I'm glad it was a Texan that took him out. I stood up, used some very bad (laughs) words, and told him to shut up and sit down. And my teacher jumped all over me. Um, I rode home on the bus. I held it together until my mom picked me up at the bus stop because she knew I'd be upset. I cried for four days with the rest of the country. Sharon, how much do you think... uh uh, John F. Kennedy being the first president born in the 20th century and being just a, a young man, how much do you think that was uh, part of his mystique? I think it was a great part of it because he was part of the future. Uh, he said we could go to the moon and we did. His space program helped to break a lot of color barriers for women and black Americans because they were a great part of sending uh, men to the moon. And he broke barriers in so many ways that people don't realize. Mm -hmm. Um, And when he was assassinated, the country truly came together and united And I will never forget the sight of John John standing on the steps, saluting his dad. Thanks. Thank you, Sharon, for sharing that. Appreciate it. Wow. Boy, it's 50 years, 60 years later, Becky, and, you know, still brings up deep emotions for, for people. Well, it had to be hard when you see somebody that, that brought you such hope and and made you believe in the possibility of this of this country to see them taken so so young you know and i wanted to if she would have held on a little longer i wanted to ask her too you know what was it like being alive during that period when one uh you see the president of the united states assassinated live on television and then just a few hour a few days later uh, the alleged killer is being brought through the basement of the Dallas County Jail, and he's assassinated live on television. I c- couldn't even imagine how just crazy that must have been for people. Well, it, it must have felt like standing on sand, like everything was shifting beneath you, and you yeah. weren't sure where stability could be found. Yeah, and and I've also said, too, I was born in the 60s, mid-60s, so of course I don't uh, remember much of it, if anything. But but I also think about just being alive in the 60s and just all the assassinations and civil rights leaders and Kennedy's family. I mean, you almost are like, man, is this the, the end of the world as we know it? Is this the end? This is just madcap. Crazy. Hey, when we come back on the Gary Nolan Show, we'll have more discussions with you. You can give us a call at 800, uh, don't have the number there, 800-529-5572. This is Chris Arps sitting in for Gary Nolan today on the Zimmer Radio Network. And welcome back to the Gary Nolan Show. Chris Arps, privilege and honor to sit in for Gary today on this 
Thanksgiving week. And uh, as we said earlier in the show, today is the 59th anniversary of the assassination of JFK. And of course, that's one of those pivotal moments uh, in history where you will always know where you were at. Uh, I know where I was when President Ronald Reagan uh, was uh, attempted assassination. I know where I was uh, when the Challenger exploded in 1986. Uh, Dennis, where were you in 1963 and JFK was assassinated? Well, um, I was very, very young at the time. I was only four years old, so uh, you know, didn't pay a lot of attention. I do remember RFK's assassination. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that, unfortunately, because my dad was very upset. Um, have you had the blessing to see what CBS News has finally done after two years? Oh, you mean the Hunter laptop story? Yeah, they, they actually had it documented by an intelligence expert. It's all real. Yeah. The President of the United States. The yeah, former I mean, Vice that, President. And that was one of the things guilty. that we were going to uh, talk about, uh, Dennis, was that, was that story. Uh, let me read a, a little small paragraph from it. It says, The independent analysis by two cyber investigators from Minneapolis-based computer forensic services found no evidence that the user data had been modified, fabricated, or tampered with, nor did it find any new files originating after April 2019 when store records indicate Biden dropped it off for repair man you know they talk about smoking guns um <laughs> this is a this, flaming this bazooka is a, this is a smoking howitzer the president <laughs> of the united states joseph robinette biden is a federal felon Dennis, but Dennis, 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 before you go further, remember, the president has told us on numerous times that he had no uh, dealings with his with his son's business. He doesn't know what his son does. He didn't have any meetings or anything. This is all a right wing conspiracy. And and you do remember that Al Capone (laughs) just sold flowers. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But but most people don't understand the law. You are not a federal felon when you're convicted caught, suspected, or anything like that. You're a federal felon. The millimicrosecond you commit the felony. Our president is a federal felon. And, you know, the the news hounded Nixon, you know. Now, Mm -hmm. are they going to ask if our president is a crook? We we have all the evidence. There's there's no question about this. Hunter Biden and Joe Robinette Biden are federal felons. And I tell you, Dennis, and thank God that uh, even though it's a very slim margin and not the red wave that we expected, but thank God the House will be taken over by the Republicans so we can actually have these investigations and get to the bottom of this. They'll try to poo-poo it and say it's nothing, but uh, these investigations are going to show a great deal, I think. Do you know anyone that can advise the Republicans? Here's what you do. The Republicans should stop all investigations. Stop it. Just get to the business of saving this country and running it properly. Then, at the same time, turn over all these federal and international crimes, because this is just not the United States. We're dealing with federal and international crimes at the highest level of government. Turn it over to the world court. Mm. Let the world court just do a review and an investigation. Well, That's what I would do while the Republicans actually try to get us out of the mess that we're in and do I, some work. Dennis, I hope that the Republicans, when they take over in January, I hope that they can walk and chew gum at the same time and can do both. 
Dennis, no. thank you for your call, my friend. Carol, how are you? Welcome to the Gary Nolan Show. I'm doing good, Chris. I'm doing good, Chris. Excellent. Hey, um, um, I was like one when uh, Kennedy was assassinated. Mm-hmm. My brother was sick. He very much remembers. He was watching cartoons, sitting on the bed. You saw the story. He jumped off because his feet were dangling over that bed. <laughs> he ran and he told my mom, and she told him, you shouldn't, you shouldn't tell stories like that. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, really, really, you know, what happened. And she looked at the TV and she started crying. I think it hit women a lot more than it hit men because I think a lot of women were secretly in love with <laughs> Kennedy. And, um, you know, it's, I'll tell you what, what really gets me angry, I mean, we're conservatives, you know, our family, mm-hmm. but um, he would have fit into the conservative mold at that time, you know, and what I loved about him is that he got us in, or at least he, he kind of prompted us to get into space. And oh, what yeah. I hate, I hate Obama for doing, and this president for doing, is for basically you know, stopping us from getting further, you know, into space. We should be exploring. We should be on, have, should have been on Mars a long time ago. And now they say that they want to set up a station on the moon. Big deal. We've already been there. We should be on Mars by now. Can't- I had a lot of nephews who wanted, who wanted, had dreams of being astronauts. And he totally quashed that, you know, Obama. Carol, I, 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 Carol, I agree with you that I, I, don't, I hated that the Obama administration ended our great space program. But what do you think of this, though, of the argument that the, the Obama and Biden uh, pared down NASA, but what that has done is it has opened up a private space agency where you have Bezos and, and, and uh, Musk and others who are filling in that role and doing it privately and can hopefully make a profit does that make it a little better yeah yeah uh unintended well i guess it was intended because their motive motive is is profit obviously but at least we'll get there um so that's a good thing one little quick thing sure quickly Mm -hmm. um that i remember seeing the story years ago um about a speech that Kennedy made in, I think in Germany. And he said something like, and I'm proud to say that I'm a Berlin, Berliner too. Um, the thing he didn't know, I think it was, he meant that he was a, it meant a jelly donut. That's what a Berliner <laughs> is. That's funny. We oh, laughed well. our head off for nearly two hours. It was so <laughs> funny, but it was just a really funny story. And, you know, you know, uh, misinterpretation of the language, but it was just hilarious. Carol, thank you so much. Oh, I'm sorry. Carol, thank you so much for your call. Okay, thank you. You know, a little short story. Uh, I told you earlier, my wife and I had the privilege of uh, visiting the JFK Museum uh, in Dealey Plaza. And one of the things that my wife and I do, we also have a hobby where we visit presidential museums. And uh, while we're at those museums, we uh, usually, for as a souvenir, we get a shot glass. And I will let my wife uh, tell the rest of that story. So we, we picked up what looked like a shot glass, and they were ringing it up and they they scanned that and it said votive i'm like huh i thought that was a shot glass and the guy ringing us up said 
We don't like that word here. <laughs> which which you can understand. I understood completely. I don't like to say shot glasses at the uh, KFK Museum. Just, just like at the uh, George W. Bush Library, they don't sell shot glasses. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's another trivia question. Uh, I think we have Van on the line. Van, how are you today? Welcome to the Gary I'm Nolan good. Show. good. How are you this morning? Fantastic, sir. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we... Uh, I, I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. Uh going to school in whatever grade second i guess and uh i remember going home we all we, we always went home for lunch when when we were that age we would right. lived around the small schoolhouse so we uh we went home for lunch and i remember seeing my dad sitting there watching television and i you know how some things just are ingrained in your brain and i remember him saying sit down here he said this is history and i mm-hmm. didn't know what what he was talking about but we watched that whole uh, whole uh, lunch hour, watched all the uh, stuff that you see now that's so memorable to everybody. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, Van, did your uh, did your father, did he embrace uh, LBJ when he uh, sent it to the presidency? Was he an LBJ fan? Uh, I don't think so. Not, not, not to my knowledge. You know, everybody was uh, John Kennedy Democrats back then. Right. And... Uh, but uh, I don't know about LBJ. I, I mean, I, I didn't. I kind of lost interest in him. <laughs> you right. know, he wasn't quite uh, as charismatic as John Kennedy. Exactly. You know. Man, thank but you for I your just, call. Uh, I, just, oh, uh, I just always remember that. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Really appreciate that. Bye bye. Yeah, JFK, nineteen sixty three, November twenty second. One of those days that uh, you will never, ever, uh, never forget. As I said, I remember when Ronald Reagan uh, was uh, was shot in uh, nineteen eighty one. Uh, I was on spring break uh, during. I was a freshman in high school. I was on spring break, and my friends and I were outside playing basketball in uh, in the back of his house. And all of a sudden, one of our our classmates who lived next door, she just yelled out and said, hey, y'all, the president's been shot. And we were like, come on, you know, why would you even make up something like that? And she said it was true. And uh, we all pretty much had that same type of feeling that uh, Americans had uh, back in 1963, where, you know, it didn't it didn't matter if, if he's a Democrat or Republican or whatever. This is our leader. And somebody has has killed him, and it was a uh, a rally around the flag uh, effect in a sense, and a loss of innocence. I would suspect. Yeah, because I, it's it's a we didn't think that could happen. We thought that 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 those sorts of things didn't happen. And especially a young man with a young family and young wife. You know, Anassis was uh, the epitome of grace and and culture and everything. And uh, they say that's where the whole Camelot. Uh, moniker came from, and people were uh, were uh, enamored with their uh, their new couple. Well, and I wonder if, um, with the earlier caller, she talked about how it, it struck women harder because everybody was a little bit in love with yeah, him. Yeah. I, I wonder if there was also just just to see the devastation on her on on Mrs. Kennedy's face and the the blood on her dress and watching her crawl towards her husband just had to be heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's take, uh, before we go to break, let's take Yvette's call right quick. Yvette, how are you? Welcome to the Gary Nolan Show. I'm very blessed. How are you today? Ah, I'm blessed too. Thank you. Wonderful. I heard your topic, and I think about that often because I was young, 
about four or five years old, mm-hmm. and I was sitting in front of the TV playing jacks. Now that tells you how old I am. <laughs> my mother was ironing, and uh, my aunt was sitting in a chair, and she was snapping beans. And I heard, it's kind of like a pop, but I didn't really look up because I was playing jacks. And my mother started to scream and cry. Mm-hmm. And my aunt, the basket went one way and the beans went another way, and she just screamed. She didn't cry, she just screamed, she just screamed, she just screamed. And I looked at them, and then I looked at the TV, and I seen Jackie on the back of the car, mm-hmm. and all these men running toward the car. And then this man announced the he said something's wrong with the president he said the president's been shot the president's been shot and my mother just continued to wail and cry my other aunt's still standing there screaming and I just looked but I couldn't I was about five or six years old I couldn't really wrap my mind around what they were talking about and I just sat there and looked at the TV and uh, then went to a commercial kind of blacked out and went to some kind of commercial Mm -hmm. and uh the day was that day was just it's kind of sad. It was kind of quiet. Nobody did a whole lot of talking. When my uncle come home and my grandfather come home, they talked as we ate. But it was just really a sad day. Yes, yeah, and nobody very sad said much of anything. You know, go to bed and the next morning. Everybody was a little more lively. It was still still mourning, still sorrow, and it was kind of like a family member died. Sure. I was going to ask, was that next. the first? Did had you had a family member pass before that? Not was that, that the I remember. First, yeah, was that the first death you? Not remember? that I remember, because mm-hmm. my grandmother died before I was born, and my parents had divorced, so I didn't really know him. Mm-hmm. So not really. Yvette, thank you so much for uh, sharing that experience with us. We really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Have mm-hmm. a blessed Thanksgiving. You too. You too. Uh, when we come back, we will have former Missouri Speaker Tim Jones on the line with us. We'll talk to him about uh, who Governor Parsons may appoint as the new attorney general. And we'll talk to him about some of the national and state issues that are affecting us. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show. I am Chris Arp, substitute hosting today on the Zimmer Radio Network. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Gary, no- Gary Nolan Show. Chris Art, substitute hosting today. And our next guest, you hear him on KWTO from 530 to 9 on the Wake Up Springfield Show with Tim Jones. And he's also my co-host here at News Talk STL 1019-941 in St. Louis. Mr. Speaker, welcome. Good morning, Chris. How you doing today? Good to talk to you again. Man, you're just going to be on the radio all day today, I guess, huh? <laughs> I guess you and I both, Missourians, are going to be done with us by the end of today. That's for sure. No, it's a great privilege and honor that we have, for sure. Excellent, Absolutely. Excellent. And you are on the Zimmer Radio Network, of course. Tim, I want to ask you about the speculation with the attorney general's race. There's a lot of names that are being bandied about. Uh, Secretary, former Senator uh, Kurt Schaefer, uh, uh, Andrew uh, Bailey, I think his name, he is the yes. governor's uh, general counsel. What are your thoughts on it? So, Chris, you're correct. Uh, you've thrown out some of the uh, top frontrunners. So the names that I hear the most, Chris, are Andrew Bailey, who is the governor's chief counsel inside the governor's office, probably not a household name to much of anybody. I do not know Mr. Bailey. I've, I've heard uh, good things about him from folks that know him. 
Uh, I did hear some concern this weekend from some grassroots folks about him, but I, I don't honestly know what that's based on because mm-hmm. he frankly has not been a, um, a, uh, a, a person who's been out and about in the Missouri political scene of the last few years that I'm aware of. Uh, Kurt Schaefer, yes, uh, former budget chairman, former appropriations chairman of the Missouri Senate back in the days. Uh, Kurt Schaefer, I always respected Kurt because he was a Republican who figured out how to win a state Senate seat right uh, right here in mid-Missouri, coming out of Boone County, which is very difficult to do, as you mm-hmm. know, with the People's Republic of Boone there, uh, with the university town. Uh, Kurt is now, I believe, working in the lobbying government affairs world. He's a very smart attorney. He specializes in the regulatory space, so probably someone that could easily uh, walk into the attorney general's office on day one and be one of the few people who would know what he was doing. Uh, uh, Tim Garrison, Tim Garrison, Mm. who is a former U.S. attorney from the Western District. Uh, He makes his home, I believe, in Springfield, Missouri. Got a heck of a resume, combat veteran in the U.S. military, U.S. attorney. Uh, I've seen him speak at a couple of uh, Lincoln Day events. He's a a very good, articulate speaker, pretty focused guy. Got that military discipline and background. Uh, So anyway, so those are some of the top runners. I've also heard uh, Representative Curtis... uh, um, Representative David Gregory, who is an attorney from the St. Louis region, uh, mentioned. So, you know, the thing with this, uh, Chris, is this is an appointment. I believe Governor Parson may be making history because I think with this appointment and the one for treasurer, I think he'll be at the top, if maybe not the top, of appointments that uh, governors have ever made in the state of Missouri. I think this will be his fifth and sixth appointment for statewide office holders. Mm. Tim, we just got about a minute left. I apologize for that. Yes, but uh, there's a lot of talk about 2024 in the governor's race. And I know that Bill Igel has been making, for, Senator Bill Igel has been making a tour around the state, but it was kind of vague that he was actually running for governor. I saw something on Facebook today uh, with a Bill Igel for governor 2024 logo. Is he in? Yes. Yes, he's in. He's all in, Chris. He's okay. formed an exploratory committee for governor. And the website is, so I guess he has to take one more step, but he has formed an exploratory committee. He's got a website. It's uh, letsgomo.com. Okay. And he's going to figure out over the next few months or so if he should absolutely sign up in uh, the spring of 2024 and run for governor. Got it. Tim, thank you so much. You know about these heartbreak things, but uh, that's Tim Jones. Wake up Springfield with Tim Jones. He's with me on News Talk STL here in St. Louis at 3.30. Tim, have a great show, my friend, a great day, and uh, we'll see you later. Great job, Chris. Talk to you soon. And we'll be back on The Gary Nolan Show. This is the Gary Nolan Show 